Hello, everyone, and welcome to We Are Marindol, a podcast featuring me, Chandler Alsbecker. And me, Aaron Williams. Aaron, we're in person today. Yep. Uh, which feels like uh, really rare these days. Somewhat anachronistic, if you will. Yeah, because we used to do this in person every week in college. Yep, more or less. And then for like a year after, it was mm-hmm. pretty close to that. But one of the things that being in person does allow is um, for one of us to, to present something to the other. All right, so let's do it. I, I have something for you. All right. A Christmas gift. All right. Uh, is this book? Mind uh, reading the title, I guess? All right. Quantum, Quantum Criminals, Ramblers, Wild Gamblers, and Other Soul Survivors from the Songs of Steely Dan. I like it. I appreciate it. Thank okay. you. You're, you're, you're welcome. Thank you. I don't know if it's good or not. I, I you know, if it, I've read a lot of bad music books, and I usually like them anyway. <laughs> okay. So, it's not really not, it's not competing with much. Okay, so that's that's good to know at least. Yes, but thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. You're welcome. I don't have any further continuation of that, but <laughs> not that I... Bought you a book as a bit for this podcast. No one, no one listens to. I, I, you know, I think, uh, you know, I don't know. I just like the quotes Deacon Blues, right? I mean, that's yeah. I mean, that's you know, I, I know that's like. Is that your favorite? Story? It is. Okay, it is. I think it's wild. Yeah, because it is. This <laughs> is great. I don't know. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'll, I'll read it once I finish my other. 25 music books. Yeah, I, I think we're all... Put it on the list. <laughs> I think we're all kind of in the uh, the camp of having more books than we actually want to read, or can read, rather. I want to read all of them. Yeah, that's, that, that's Believe me, it's not one, it's not the issue. Yeah. Um, but anyway, we're recording this the Wednesday before Christmas, mm-hmm. which means we are recording it the Wednesday before the Duffers play a bowl game. Mm-hmm. It also means we're recording on National Signing Day. Yep, big day. Very big day. Just, you know, Wednesday the, the 20th of December, always a big day. So, uh, we there are a few news items to talk about in that realm. Um, first, just some transfers in since last week. Uh, all of whom have two years of eligibility, even though two of them are technically registered seniors mm-hmm. next year. Logan Fife, quarterback from Fresno State, uh, will be the backup in 2024 and then... Presumably compete to start in 2025 against Tyler Lindsay is the Arkansas commit. Drake Lindsay. Drake Lindsay, that's yes. it. The, uh, the other commits that the Dovers have gotten, a running back from Ohio, C.A. Bengura, uh, should figure in as a solid number two behind Darius Taylor next season and I guess the season after that. He had uh, 4.6 yards per carry last season, and then in a slightly bigger role the year before, 4.9, for a career of 22 touchdowns in his uh, three years at Ohio, one of which was his redshirt season. Um, got a cornerback from TCU, Giante McMillan, mm-hmm. kind of a special teams reserve guy. Some depth, a body. Yes, needed depth. Yeah. And then a defensive tackle from Central Michigan, Quindario Lee, uh, who was maybe a little bit against type for the Dophers, considering his size, uh, only 280 pounds according to Central Michigan. Dophers haven't usually gone for guys that big. I remember they tried converting Gage Keys 
to tackle from defensive end, and that was about where he topped out, and then mm-hmm. he just didn't stick here. Um, but Lee has some proven production. He had seven tackles for loss, three of them sacks last year. Uh, he he's, he should be like you know archetypal three technique type, um, probably next to Devin Eastern, um, if not as a rotational pass rush type of player. So that's that's a, a, a solid addition. Um, and I guess those were all four. I'm, I guess I'm not missing any. Also, a few deep commitments that we'll touch on before we get to the the actual signing class. Uh, FIU tackle Jordan Durad ended up going to Louisville um, rather than sitting with the Dofus, which is perhaps would open up the spot for Lee. The Den- the Dennis Evans trajectory. <laughs> yes, the the off travel Dennis Evans trajectory. Yeah. Uh, running back Trent Holland elected to not transfer from Indiana and and come to the Dofers. Um I tweeted about this. A lot of people seem to immediately rush to, oh, he's getting paid to stay in Bloomington. Yeah. And like, he said he's not. He said he's not, and I believe him. Yeah. Um, in part because, and this is definitely not meant as a slight. Like the reality is, he's just not a huge player for them. Yeah. Well, it's 240, but no, just kidding. Yeah, <laughs> my, my mind went the same place. Uh, but just, I don't know. I, I think it's really dumb that kids have to defend themselves that way and be like, I'm not doing for money. You know, I'm not doing what I need to do with my own life for, for money. Mm-hmm. Which, even if they were doing it for money, they'd be fine with me. That's okay, yeah. Uh, but whatever, you know, Holland or, or Durad or whoever needs to do with their lives is good, good with me. It's not mine. Uh, and then Navarro College, Russia, and Eddie Tucson elected not to sign with the Gophers. He went to UAB instead, um, where he was probably guaranteed a bit more playing time than mm-hmm. here. Because yeah, Big uh, Ten. Uh, yeah, the, the Minnesota was his only Power 5 offer that was reported, at least according to 247. But the Gophers signed 19 high school players today, mm-hmm. uh, the biggest of which was, of course, of course Toy Parrot from Esco, the four-star, the uh, 115th prospect on composite, and I think top 90, just straight 247 grade. Um, one of the uh, the highest-rated commits the Gophers have ever gotten, next to uh, Nathan Roy, the top prospect in Wisconsin, and off- a big offensive lineman who is also one of the biggest recruits the Gophers have ever gotten. Yeah, and also very big. Um, Naturally very big. Yes. Uh, and then... Uh, defensive tackle, uh, what was his name? Riley Sunram from North mm-hmm. Dakota, committed. Mm-hmm. Stuck with the Dophers after J.D. Abbasiri went to USC and a couple other defenders decommitted. Uh, and then um, Brett Carroll, the uh, the other uh, big offensive lineman coming to Minnesota who was uh, named to the All-American Bowl, him, Parrish, and... Carol will all be represented there. So um, those are all the headliners. It seems like a pretty standard Minnesota class, but at the top, it's very, very strong. Yeah, yeah. No, it seems like, it seems like yeah, I mean, it's mostly three-star recruits, which is what we tend to attract. Um, but like you said, there's real there's real top-end talent. You know, I mean, those those two or three, you know, depending on how you evaluate them, you know, four-star players, I mean, those are guys that we feel really, really, really good about. Um, and you have to feel like it's a big, I don't know, win for the program or whatever, especially in, again, the context of, you know, other guys decommitting and I, whatever, you know, player freedom, like, um, 
didn't feel like a given that we were going to have a class this solid in a lot of ways, um, especially at the top. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think it's a big, it's a, it's, a, it's a good class and I look forward to seeing what they do in the next three, four or five years. Yeah, I looked at the offensive line in particular and yeah. think you've got Greg Johnson, who was a true freshman this season, as well as Jerome Williams, who redshirted and could be your starting center as soon as next fall. Um, and then you bring in Roy and Carroll, and those are four pieces of what should be a really, really good offensive line in two or three years. Yeah. Uh, which is really exciting because we've seen what the Dovers can do with a really good offensive yeah. line. Yeah, it's the bread and butter. Yeah, it's the bread and butter. And they, you know, Brian Callahan has a, a pretty good track record of, of developing these guys into solid players. So that is very exciting. And then um, Toy Parrish, I, yeah. I, I have no idea like what the thinking is, you know, even Xavier Wampa at, at Iowa redshirted as a freshman, who was, I think, an even higher rated prospect. But I, I do look at Nickelback and I see Jack Henderson will have one more year of eligibility. Craig McDonald will have one two. More, he'll have two going into next season. So there will be an opening for Parrish or Darius Green, Aiden Dewsby, Colin Bryson. Terry, like there are a ton of guys at safety right now. I, mm-hmm. I think it's actually it's it's not the most secure position as, as we've touched on. It's a position that like will have a lot of competition for for reps. But, but that's that's good. It's talent, you know. It's really good. It's it's really good having this many guys in the room, um, all pretty young, aside from the guys you have playing the slot right now, um, who you know. Especially, I, I think Green and Bryson have some real potential, and obviously Parrish, with his pedigree, you, you figure would also have potential. So, um, some some really good strength thing uh, of that room there. Yeah, and then again, you had a good quarterback too. Yeah, you the, know, uh, was was it the offense the the offensive player of the year in the state of Arkansas? Yeah, I think I think the player of the year period in the state of Arkansas is what I thought what I read. But you could be more correct there. Uh, I I don't remember the specifics, but he's he's very well accoladed there, um, and will will come in and potentially start as soon as twenty twenty five. You never know how to feel about a redshirt freshman yeah, starting or redshirt sophomore or redshirt sophomore. Um, but uh, the the implication I've gotten about Logan Fife is that he's more of a backup type player. And so it just becomes kind of a question of after Brosmer graduates, Max Brosmer, the transfer from, from New Hampshire, like, you know, will will it be Lindsay? Will it be Fife? Will it be some mystery guest? I'm not really sure. But um, for now, you feel good about, if not in 2025, then in 2026, you have someone with the talent who can start. And uh, that that's a good place to be in. Not too many other thoughts about this class. Obviously, it's not great to lose Riley Pretzlaff and G.D. Abbasiri, two of your top defensive prospects. Uh, Pretzlaff ended up going to Michigan State. Shocker. Shockers. Yeah. Uh, and then Abbasiri went to USC because it's USC. You get an offer. Lots of guys are going to take that offer, whether yeah. that's because of money or because it's USC. Yeah, just the chance, opportunity. Yeah, the guys are going to do that, so... As far as anything else, I, I don't really have anything more on, on, on signing day, but it's, uh, you know, it, it's a little smaller as a result of the late decommitments this class. Most of the time they go pretty close to 25. 
I mean, I, PJ Fleck is very willing to oversign, which is one of the things I don't much care for the way he runs the program. But and so for that reason, because of the late decommitments, I would probably expect another one or two to show up at the uh, the traditional February signing day, as well mm-hmm. as more transfers, um, because there are some holes that still need to be plugged. But um, for now, it's a uh, pretty complete class on a roster that is not quite complete, but uh, uh, is in a place where you can think, okay, things can kind of come together. Yeah, things can coalesce. Yeah. Obviously, that depends on whoever the de- uh, defensive coordinator ends yeah. up being. Yeah, for sure. Um, but according to Fleck, it'll take some time before we know. But any any other thoughts on uh, all that? No, I think it's, a, again, it's a deep class. It addresses some needs. You, you have the top-end talent. I mean, you have to feel pretty good about it, just as a whole. I think it's not world-beating, but we're not known for world-beating recruiting classes, you know? We've done... I feel like I... I mean, looking at this class, I honestly, I feel like we've done more with less. Yeah. You know? And I know the Big Ten's about to get really tough, and um, you just... You hope they can again develop these guys and the guys that can compete at that level yeah that's the, that's the hope that's kind of where you have to be at this level of the sport and uh, Minnesota has proven the, proven that they can do that yeah for sure for sure one of the I mean especially like you said offensive line right I mean that's where this is arguably this class arguably the strongest I mean that's it's what they do yeah just turn out linemen but anyway before we get to see any of those guys on the field, you may not be aware of this, but there are some more football games to be played. Technically, yes. Yeah. Uh, officially won in the 2023 season. Tuesday, Boxing Day, against Bowling Green, the 7-5 and Falcons, who finished third in the MAC East. Notable games they played this year. They lost to Liberty in Week 1. Um, they lost big at the big house after only being down, I think, like four at halftime, something like that. It's been a while since I watched that one. But then they went to Atlanta and beat Georgia Tech on their own field. And uh, a couple weeks later, embarked on a pretty good win streak, four street games. Only lost at Toledo by one before finishing their season with a 24-point win over Western Michigan. This is year five for Scott Leffler. Yeah. Seems like he's done a good job. I mean, just they're on a steady upward trajectory. Yeah. I, I, I mean, it's it's a, at times it's been a really bad program. Yes, it's been a pretty awful program. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think Scott Leffler was necessarily a smart hire, um, but he's turned out to do kind of what you want at Bowling Green, which is make bowls, and really not much more. And I will say this is a better team than Gopher saw in 2021. Yeah. I would also say it's a luckier team um, than maybe you'll see in, in most of the country because it is just shocking watching some of their games. Like Georgia Tech had a play where they were punting and the lawn snapper hit one of the protectors in the face mask mm-hmm. and Bowling Green recovered the ball. Nice. Like there, there are all these like sort of small mistakes that somehow Bowling Green has been able to benefit from these fumbles in, in, in good field position. And uh, I, I looked it up. They have recovered 20 of 30 fumbles in their games from, from either side. So a little bit of luck there. But I, I think they're not talentless or anything. For They're, they're a decent MAC team. Finishing third in the MAC East is not flattering them or anything. It's it's about it's okay. right. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. So, uh, looking at their offense first, you can find some talent here. I think 
We'll, we'll go to the running back first uh, because I think that is the strongest player on their whole team is, is Terry M. Stewart. Uh, 5'9", and he, you know, is that type of back. Yeah. He's not like the Philip Lindsay-like bowling ball so much, but he's like, he's just a really nimble runner. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got that low center of gravity. He's got incredible balance. Um, he changes directions really, really well. This year, he averaged 6.1 yards per carry at eight touchdowns. He's not like Mo. And, and that, you know, he's not bowling people over, but he can keep his feet incredibly, incredibly well and uh, and burst into a, a hole if you give it to him. So I, I think Terry Ann Stewart is a really, really strong player. He was on that second team this year, and he's kind of the main guy you have to worry about in this offense. They are down their second screen running back, who is still their leader in receptions, receiving yards, and scrimmage yards. Uh, Teron Keith is transferring, and the guys behind him... Jason Patterson and Payshawn Limberly are just not as threatening. But Stewart is someone you will have to worry about. Uh, there's also talent at tight end. Harold Fannin Jr., all-match first team, 39 catches, six touchdowns this season. Um, I, I didn't see a lot from him that, like, super impressed me or anything, but he has the production that's there. Uh, and they like him more than their actual wide receivers, even though... There were some flashes here and there from Odu Hilaire, Austin Osborne, Abdul Fatai, uh, Ibrahim. Um, like there, there are, they're they're kind of a, a normal Mac level receiver group, but mm-hmm. Fannin seems like he has a bit more strength. But the guy who's going to get them the ball is is. Do you know who it is? I do. I do. It's Connor Bazelak, for those of yeah, you who yeah. are unaware. Well, well-traveled. Very well-traveled. Still has one more year of eligibility no after this. Yeah. No way. I, don't, I refuse to believe that. Well, he, he uh, was a true freshman in 2019, and then, you know, 2020 happened. But So formerly of Mizzou, and then last year at Indiana, where he was quite bad. Uh, I'll, you know, I think that's fair to say. And uh, this season, he's looked more like what he was at Mizzou, which is not fine. <laughs> fine. Yeah. Really just kind of there. Um, he is also still taking a lot of sacks. This year, he took 21. Last year at Indiana, he took 25. Uh, that's kind of his thing, even though he is fairly mobile. Um, just he doesn't run a lot. He had 27 carries this season. And they didn't really do much, but uh, he is someone who holds on to the ball for, for a while, in part because his receivers don't always get separation, and in part because he's not behind the best offensive line. There's some experience, a um, lot of transfers, uh, but, you know, it, it's not the best offensive line, and sort of the, the running stats kind of bear that out. But uh, So really the thing is, you gotta you got to worry about Stewart. And the way that they'll get him the ball, because I do think they are sort of interesting on offense. It's kind of a standard spread look, 11 and 12 personnel, shotgun all the time and everything. But uh, they use a lot of motion and a lot of pulling linemen. So you'll, you'll see a lot of counter, some power, split zone, and then they'll run play action off of that. Uh, naturally. So it, it takes some discipline to sort of understand what your gap is, what your fit is, who's going to actually get the ball, that sort of thing. Um, and then they will also bring in a Wildcat quarterback, Camden North, who uh, started against Buffalo and they ran a ton of QB draw with him. And he's a, he's a, a big guy, 6'3", 225, which is also Basilac's uh, official measurements, but not really a thrower. 
but Tan can run a bit with the ball, and that's pretty much the only way they'll lose him if we see Orth in the game. So uh, be disciplined, you know, maintain the backside gap because you will see Stewart cut back from time to time, and, uh, you know, sack Basilak because he'll present you the opportunity to do so. Defensively, um, they're a bit light on the defensive line, which is partly by design, but partly because they're bowling green. Mm-hmm. Um, they do kind of what the Gophers do in terms of positions up front, where um, it's they got two normal-sized defensive tackles around 290. Then they have a defensive end who's 260, 270, and then a leaner outside linebacker rush-end um, who's actually their, their best defensive player, a guy named Cassius Howell, who had nine and a half sacks this season. But he's kind of the whole source of disruption for them. Um, the defensive line doesn't really have any playmakers. They do have a defensive end, Ali Saad, who was originally a gopher and well. tra- transferred to Bowling Green in 2021. But uh, on, on the line, there's not uh, really anyone you, you have to worry about other than Howell. Uh, they do have a pretty strong linebacker in Darren Anders, uh, all-max second team, 10.5 tackles for loss this season. Um, in the secondary, not as much, though, because their top cornerback, all-max first team, Jalen Husky, is transferring to Maryland. He will not be in this game. Uh, and there, there are a lot of interceptions in, in this defensive backfield, but they don't get their hands on the ball that much. So it's a little bit lucky there. Jordan Olatakun is a decent corner, but there's really no one behind him. Um, Deshaun Jones Jr. is, is, is going to be probably the starter on the other side, and he just hasn't done a whole lot this season, hasn't played a lot. And then behind him, it's just, you know, really nobody. Like the, the third string cornerback in this game, Jalen Burton, had one tackle mm-hmm. all season. So... Um, they they're they kind of have a big rotation of, of nickel guys that you'll need to pay attention to. Um, Davon Ferguson isn't a bad player or anything, but I don't see just a lot of stars in this defense. It is the better side of the ball for them. They are 47th in yards per play allowed this year, um, but I don't really look at them as terribly strong. They 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 can get burned deep from time to time. Their defensive line, like I said, is very light, and that kind of bears out in the stats. Their stuff rate this year was second to last in the country, um, which with Minnesota's size up front yeah. suggests a, a very clear advantage for mm-hmm. the Gophers. Um, but at the same time, something we saw two years ago when the Gophers yeah. played Bowling Green is if they don't respect the pass... They're going to bring a bunch of bodies into the box. And, and it may, they might not have reason to. They might not have reason to. Because for those of you who have forgotten, Cole Kramer will be the starting quarterback in this game. Who has thrown something in the neighborhood of 15, 20 passes his whole college career. I was going to say one this year. Yeah, exactly one this year. Uh, and so it, it, we don't know what the game plan will be just in trying to make Kramer work in this offense. Um but I would imagine you'll you'll see a lot of short stuff, and I would hope if they want to really exploit the the sort of lack of depth Bowling Green has at the cornerback spot right now, there'll be some sort of outside routes, curls, outs, 
maybe some swing passes, something to, to attack that area of the field and maybe get some one-on-ones uh, against some of their uh, cornerbacks. And also, you know, quicker throws will make sure that Howell's impact on the game is lessened. I think they should expect to win handily up front, but on early downs they need to be a bit more balanced than they would probably like to be with Kramer in it. In the, in the game uh, and the, the biggest thing is take care of the ball yeah because this this is a team like I said that's probably been a bit lucky but they do get their hands on the ball and um, I would say the Dofers would have beaten Bowling Green two years ago if they had a little more ball security if they just had like one fewer turnover they would have won that game uh, in addition to one of the several other things they could have done differently if it's yeah. just one thing different you know they would have won that game but um, the sort of is if, if you play a clean game, if you let talent win out, if you're a little more balanced, um, and you do your best to contain that running back they've got, then there's no reason you can't win this game. Just the problem is you're still down the guy who's started all of your games this year. It looked decent against Mac level competition, uh, and obviously we don't know if Taylor will play. Yeah. So it could be you're starting Jordan Newbin at running back. And I was going to say, I could see if Taylor plays, and who knows? I I mean, I mean that's just, again, like I said about all these bowl games, it's like we don't know who's going to be in. But if Taylor's in, you have to figure I mean, this could be a game where if they get anything in the air, if they create any space for Darius Taylor, Darius Taylor is the best player on the field. Yeah, that's fair to say. You know? Yeah, and you know you got to feel really good about his matchup against his team, especially what you said about the undersized. Given what you said about the undersized defensive line, the low stuff rate, our strength being in or some of what strength in the offensive line, our size, you know, um, that could, you know, just a guy like that. He's just a different, big difference maker. Yes, and having him would probably tilt the game towards from from a likely Minnesota win to you know. Uh, more likely Minnesota. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I probably should have found better ways to define that. But uh, like right now, the projections have it close to like sixty percent for the Gophers. Uh, granted, you go to FEI and it's only fifty-two percent, but you go to Massey and it's eighty-seven percent. So there's some disagreement, but the, the short of it is, if you if you average it all out, it's like a sixty percent. You know, but that doesn't account for transfers. Mm-hmm. And I, I would say Bowling Green is more hurt by that right now than the Gophers are. Um, so I'm gonna bet on the talent here, uh, and and go with twenty seven seventeen Gophers. Yeah, I was gonna say twenty to seventeen. Uh, we had to half, had got half right this time. Um, I was gonna say twenty to seventeen. I just think I don't really believe in Cole Kramer. <laughs> um, I want to, but I, it's it's I, but that's it's a crapshoot. I have no idea. I, I feel like we're the better team, you know, um, we're bigger, we're more athletic, we're more skilled, but again, in, in this day and age, you just don't, bowl game again, the motivation is a factor, the, not that Bowling Green has, has an advantage here, but it's just, the motivation is more variable, transfers very variable injuries NFL opt-outs yeah we, I mean, we haven't even heard what Tyler Newbin's going to do yet yeah so I mean if you know if Tyler Newbin and Darius I mean if we get all our guys I mean I, I feel better about that I feel probably closer to your projection you know but if all those guys are out then I feel probably closer to my projection yeah that's very <laughs> if fair if not even a flip of that um, 
Yeah, but I who knows? Who knows what boy? It's it's a complete crapshoot. Yeah, and that's that's the other thing I, I want to make sure we make clear. Like, I would not be happy if the Dolphins lost this game, but I'll also say like, what you know, what what grand you know takeaway can you have from the Dolphins losing a, a lower level bowl game when they're on you know two quarterbacks on the roster and potentially losing some some guys for you know the NFL or injuries we haven't heard about or stuff like that it, it, there's just so many variables when you get into this part of the year that um, it's not really worth putting too much meaning on it even no. though you, you would be right to be disappointed with a, a loss just you know put that in perspective I guess yeah exactly exactly nobody's not gonna you know, we're not gonna. There's not gonna be a fire sale after this game. No, Head, heads will not roll. Almost certainly, no matter how this game goes. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, I was not around for the Mason stuff, but to me, you know, we, it would not make sense to watch that game because I did rewatch that game recently to to fire a coach because of a bowl result. And I know yeah. it was different in 2006 than it is in 2023, but. P.J. Fleck will still be the coach next year, and he won't deserve to be the head coach next year uh, based purely on football merit, um, and that will not change as a result of this game. Mm-hmm. And that game is 1 o'clock on ESPN, like I said, on December 26th. Uh, weather forecast is irrelevant because it's at Ford Field, which yes. is an indoor venue. Yes. Uh, Tickets are $2. I'm shocked. Yeah. So go. If you are in the greater Detroit area, go to Ford Field, I guess. I I do have a friend who lives out there, but he is back in Minnesota for Christmas. And he he was telling me over the phone, uh, I'm really glad I'm not going to be there. Because if I was not coming home for Christmas and I was in Detroit, I would just go because I have to. And... uh, he doesn't really want to do that. Yeah, so no, it doesn't sound great. Yeah, uh, I don't know who's going to be calling the game. Um, Bowling Green doesn't have their game notes out yet, or at least they didn't yesterday when I last checked. So um, we'll see who's calling the game when we get there. Uh, there are another ten or so bowl games between now and Tuesday. What are you liking in that batch? Yeah, I mean, there's a couple that I think are somewhat intriguing. Um, again. The assumption that I have that I've been saying is, you know, assuming everybody plays, you know, um, as far as from a matchup standpoint, you have some decent football. I don't think Utah Northwestern's great. I think Coastal, and again, I know McCall's in the portal, so it's whatever, but Coastal, San Jose State, um, those seem like similar tiered teams this year. Um, I think that could theoretically be interesting. What's the bowl game I was looking at? Is it, is it maybe it's a little later? I think it's later, actually. So maybe it's not between them. But I was going to say, on Tuesday, the guaranteed rate bowl, Kansas and UNLV. That should be good, actually. I think it should be good. Again, injuries, whatever, withstanding. Um, those are two teams that um, historically have been uh, dreadful. But in recent years, have really turned it around. Um, and they're also, like, Kansas is, like... <laughs> Weirdly, or maybe not so weirdly, like a ton of fun to watch. They're a lot of fun to watch. <laughs> I love their offense. Yeah, yeah, no, they're they're great. Um, so I'm looking forward to that game again. However, it sort of looks, I'll definitely be watching. Other than that, the games in between, I don't know. I mean, Troy versus Duke in a perfect world is a pretty good game, but 
I don't know. I mean, that's, that's a big defensive game, though, is the thing. Yeah, Wait, it, I like defense, but, like, you know, D- Duke's whole thing is, you know, defense right now, and that's been Troy's deal under, yeah, under John Summerall. But, I mean, both of those coaches are gone now. Gisalco's at A&M, and, and Summerall yep. went to Tulane. So you don't really know what you're getting there. Yep. And then I would also say, uh, I know I talk a lot about TJ Finley on this podcast, but um, he's fun to watch because he's so so darn big. Um, he's playing in the uh, First Responders Bowl um, also on Tuesday, right after the Gopher game on ESPN uh, against Rice. So I don't really – I can't say – like Rice football is not very intriguing to me, but Texas State has been up, so – you know, good for them. Yeah, and uh, going to the Highland Park to play this game for, uh, I mean, I guess Rice doesn't have that many fans. No, no. Uh, but San Marcos. A big egghead school. Yeah, yeah, very much so. And, um, I mean, SMU, where they're playing the games also, you know. I, I, or it's moneyed in, in the same way Rice would be. But easy drive from San Marcos and, and Houston, relatively speaking. The problem is obviously getting out of Houston, but yeah, it, it should be decently attended compared to a lot of bowl games. Compared to the quick lane roll. Yes, that's a good example. Um, yeah, I don't really see one that's calling my name. This is not the best weekend in the slate. No. Central Florida Georgia Tech is not great, but those are two competent teams. Yeah, yeah. I if there. I mean, if I'm at home and I'm not doing anything, or like I'm out like at a friend's house or like at a bar and it's like on, like I'd watch that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like but the the game I would say like in like if it was a middle of the season game, I would definitely watch it as Air Force James Madison. But it's yes. not. It's yes. a whole game. Turk Signetti has already left for Indiana. It's just, you, you don't know what you're going to get. It's the Lockheed Martin Armed Forces Bowl at that. Uh, their Armed Forces, is that one's in Fort Worth, right? It is, yes. Okay, so there you go. So yeah, I guess those are the, the bowls. We don't have FCS playoffs again until 2025, 2024, not 2025. Mm-hmm. And the really big bowl games aren't until uh, the weekend after the go play. So yeah. I guess, is there any other sporting event you want to call people's attention to in the next week? Uh, a lot of big Wolves games. Um, I, know, I think they probably, I'll check to confirm that they lost to the 76ers. They did indeed lose to Philly. Uh, but they have two games against the Lakers. They play the uh, Pelicans again. They play the Mavericks again coming up here. So uh, our Wolves are going to be tested mighty, uh, mighty tough. They've been mostly ringing the bell. Uh, mostly up to the task, but uh, those are all going to be really some really fun and probably really difficult, challenging games. I'm guessing they don't have a Christmas game. I don't think so. You know, you figure if they, if they did the schedule now, they would because they've just been that good. But I, they didn't go coming in. They weren't that ballyhooed, so they no. get one. And, and they might need to string together a couple of years like this to get the attention of the league. Yeah, yeah. Well, they've got. I mean, they've got the attention of the league now. I mean, that's for sure. But uh, you know, that obviously takes time for uh, TV ratings to catch up, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. Just a lot of people still see the Timberwolves and think, "Oh, it's the Timberwolves," which fair. But all right, I guess I don't have anything more to talk about. We'll talk about the other side of the the Gophers 
bowl game uh, when we get back together next week to see what whatever happens and give our thoughts on on uh, the proceedings. And then after that, we'll have the big bowl games, and we can sort of go down the runway towards uh, you know further off-season news, and mm-hmm. uh, eventually in January talking about the albums I listened to this year, which is always great fun. Mm-hmm. Um, somewhat narcissistic of me, but <laughs> uh, you're always game, and that's that's really fun. So everyone, enjoy your Christmas, and uh, you, you have any any last words here? Uh, no, no. Uh, go, uh, go, go first. <laughs> Go, go, first indeed. Talk to you next week. Mm-hmm.